Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our worship pastor, Brian Self. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. As I mentioned, we are in Acts chapter 20 today. And uh, this was a very, very encouraging passage that as I read through it, uh, I, I talked a little bit to uh, Pastor Micah Bosworth uh, up at Ridgepoint. He, he preached through chapter 20 a few weeks ago at his church, and he mentioned, man, as I was going through it, uh, he said, I could have preached for several weeks on the different portions uh, of the chapter and it's just so rich, and I'd really encourage you, uh, when you have time, go back through and, uh, and read through the chapter and see some of the incredible things that God does. Uh, but we're going to be in verses 17 through 27 for this evening. And uh, really kind of the focus of this particular message is testify. Now, I've heard that used both as an exclamation of uh, maybe I've seen in the movie where uh, someone's singing or maybe uh, I've seen it in the preaching clips where someone's preaching and maybe they're preaching real hard, maybe down in the South, and, uh, and you'll have someone yelling out, testify, uh, but that's not quite uh, the, the flavor or the style of the word that we're looking at this evening. And this is seen in verse 24. It says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And that word that's in there, testify, is the Greek word, dear marturamai. It means to call to witness, to testify, to solemnly charge. Many of us would know of maybe some famous trials that have taken place, uh, trials that really kind of determined the course of events that would happen. I can think even of some trials back in the 90s that had maybe a huge effect. Uh, I love American history, and I think even back to some of the lawyers of yesteryear, like Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, and how they kind of framed our justice system, and uh, some of the trials that they presided over had a great effect. And a testimony in court, when you testify, It is something that's very important. It's not something to be taken lightly. Uh, That's why I wanted to get out of the way first. It's it's not so much of a cheap thing as, you know, if someone's just doing a good job and you're cheering them on instead of saying, you know, good job or keep on going. You can testify. The word that's used here is very serious. It's a serious charge. It's a serious commitment. And this is what Paul says he did. This was his mission. This was his ministry that was given to him from God is, I have been called to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. But Paul actually uses this word four times in just the couple of verses that we're looking at today. He says, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. He says, the Holy Ghost witnesseth, or this same word here, testifieth. It says in verse 24, to testify of the gospel. And in verse number 26, he says, I take you to record this day. Again, that same underlying word, testify. 
And we're going to see here tonight a few ways in which we are called to testify. And there's going to be some really encouraging things as we go through here. And, and hopefully, as it was with me, there'll be some things that'll be a little bit convicting of, man, I have been called to go on the witness stand of others' lives and testify about the gospel. Uh, let's open our service in a word of prayer and uh, ask that God would bless. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, this day, for the opportunity to present your word. And God, I ask that as we look at what it is to testify or to witness uh, about what you've done for us and what you've done in us, uh, God, I ask that it would motivate us that we would share you with others. And uh, Lord, we want to ask that you would be glorified in your church tonight and pray all this in your name. Amen. So the first thing that we want to look at as far as testifying goes, is that we should testify to everyone. We can see this in verse number 21 of our passage. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. And there's a couple thoughts here uh, in the passage that we'll work through. If we're going to testify to everyone, we have to testify publicly. And uh, Paul did this, and he says in verse number 20, I have taught you publicly. Uh, if you only ever talk about Jesus maybe with one-on-one -on -one, or no one knows at large that you're a Christian or that you believe in God, but you, you kind of hide it from people that would know you generally, man, that's not a great testimony. That's not a great way to testify uh, it should be something that if we know the Lord, if we know what it is to be saved by him, we should want the people that are around us to know. Since I've taught you publicly. Not only that, but we should testify perseveringly. And Paul did this, and he mentions this, ye know after what manner I have been with you with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. He says, hey, you know that I have testified, I have preached to you, I have taught God's word to you in all seasons with many tears and temptations. He went through a lot of these hard times but persevered in presenting the gospel. Man, isn't it easy sometimes to get discouraged from sharing our faith? Uh, I've, I've joked about it with Carlos many a time, uh, but for me, it seems like about every other time that I go out, even just, you know, blitzing and stuff, not knocking on people's doors, I'll have someone that uh, maybe it's just the last hair and a very long day for them, and someone puts something on their door, and, uh, and they notice it, and, and they'll normally open it grab the thing, go, hey, what are you doing? Take this back. Uh, and man, that can be a little bit discouraging. But then there are times when uh, you'll give a track to someone and they go, man, I've been looking for a church. I've been knowing I've got to get back to church. Uh, or even uh, there was a, a young couple that uh, just got saved a couple weeks ago here at the church that uh, they had heard about the church through someone leaving a tract with, uh, with the girl's dad just outside of their door. And man, when you hear those things, you, you, you have to remember, hey, I've got to persevere through some of these tough times because there are those that want to hear the gospel. 
And so Paul, even through these tears and temptations and the entrapments uh, that were coming at him, he said, hey, I'm going to continue to share the gospel. Also personally, and here he says, I have taught you, in verse number 20, from house to house. Now, this wasn't necessarily him going to each individual door, knocking on it and presenting the gospel at each door. During these times, not every house had a door, uh, so that would be quite impossible. But here he says, hey, in each of your houses, it would be almost like uh, sometimes we have our in-home fellowships, uh, other places sometimes have small groups or things like that, where he says, hey, I was in your houses I did it personally, me to you. It wasn't just that Paul went to a synagogue and preached Jesus publicly uh, there or in the market forums there in the Greek cities, but he says, hey, I taught you from house to house. If maybe people only know that we're a Christian publicly, but in our interactions with people personally, we never tell them about the gospel, man, we're, we're not testifying. We're not saying, hey, here's what God has done in my life. Here's the gospel. Here's what God can do for you. We should make it a goal that those that are in our inner circle, maybe our neighbors or our family members or our friends, should know that both we're a Christian and they should know what it is uh, to know the gospel and that we would make it a, a point in our lives at some point that we're going to share the gospel with people. Uh, there's a phrase that's sometimes used and, and can be abused, uh, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. And while the thought is good that our behavior should be that of a Christian at all times, and that's correct, if we're not actually sharing the gospel with others, man, we're, we're shirking our duty or our responsibility as Christians. We have been given the gift of forgiveness, of eternal life, of the indwelling presence of God, of a home forever in heaven. We've been gifted with spiritual gifts given to us by Christ himself. We should want to share that same hope and message with others. Not only that, but I see here that Paul also testified persistently. He says, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Now, here he's not necessarily talking about summer, spring, winter, fall, though it would include that. Here he's saying in all seasons, in every circumstance of life, I was with you and I was teaching you. Uh, this kind of goes along with perseveringly of not only do we uh, should we push through some of the hard times of witnessing of when someone goes, I don't want to hear that. Why are you always talking about Jesus? Something along those lines. But we should do it consistently, that it's not just, okay, for one week, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And in another eight months, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. But it should be something that we should say, hey, consistently in my life, I'm going to let other, others know about the gospel. Uh, particularly when I think of this persistence in telling others, uh, it makes me think of Fountain Senior. And many of us that have been to uh, maybe one of our restaurant takeover nights would know, uh, man, when he's in a restaurant and he'll take some of the tracks from the church or tracks that he has and, and he'll go table to table of all these people that he doesn't know and he will tell them the gospel. And man, even just in the short time that I've been here, 
I can't tell you how many restaurants that I've seen Fountain Senior do that at, and it's a consistent thing in his life. And man, we would do well to follow in that behavior of being consistent in our testifying and in our witness. So we see that Paul testified to everyone. Publicly, people knew who he was, that he preached Jesus. He did it perseveringly, even though there were hardships that came on him. He did it personally with people, uh, that he had relationships with people. Too often it can be uh, sometimes easy to say, okay, I'll go out maybe blitzing on a, on a Tuesday night or on a Saturday, and uh, that's going to be the only time that I'm going to invite someone to church because it doesn't require really any relationship between you and, and the door. The, the door is not really going to interact with you very much. But man, it's an important thing that we would personally invite people that we know and, uh, and testify to them of the gospel, as well as persistently, that it would be a consistent thing in our life. So testify to everyone, but also testify about the gospel. We can see this in verse number 24. It says, I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And I see here first the, the content of the gospel. Testify about the gospel's content. And we can see this in verse number 21. It says, uh, with the Jews and the Greeks, Paul was testifying about repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would turn from our sin, we would turn from our own way, trying to establish our own righteousness, and instead we would turn in faith wholly to Jesus. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes the thought can be, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. People will just naturally know, okay, I should ask, uh, I should ask Veronica, or I should ask Danny, uh, about what's different in their life, and it has to be something religious, and, uh, and just like that, they'll get saved. They'll see Danny's different, a good different, and they will want to get saved. But Paul mentions here, hey, we should testify about the actual content of the gospel, and the content of the gospel is not necessarily, hey, come to church, that's not quite the gospel. The gospel isn't solely God loves you. The gospel is, hey, Jesus came and died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day and is now risen. And we have to make that choice. Hey, am I going to accept Christ's payment for my sin? And that's the gospel. And so we should testify about the actual content of the gospel. We, shouldn't, uh, we should also notice, as, as Paul mentions here in this passage, testify about the gospel's cost. The cost of the gospel was really laid out by Paul. And oftentimes in America, we do not have anywhere near the same severity of cost that Paul had that he had in verse 19, tears and trials that came on him. Imprisonment and afflictions were waiting for him in verse 23. And in verse 25, the loss of loved ones and those that he had poured his life into. The gospel comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of man's approval. 
And man, we, we know it, uh, that the world is not happy and thrilled about the gospel. Man, all of us should be thrilled about the gospel. It's God's love for sinful, fallen man and how he has done everything to make us right with God. And all we need to do is accept it. But God's righteousness and God's plan for humanity and for marriage and for all of these different things are something that the world says, we don't really like that exclusive set of beliefs or we don't like these rules that God has in his word. And so there is a cost that comes with following God, that we have to say no to some things that we would want Uh, We would have to say no to some people and no to some things that uh, without following God, without accepting the gospel, we would just be free to do. So there is a cost to the gospel. There's a cost to following God. But there are also benefits when we receive the gospel that there is a cost to rejecting the gospel. And this is also highlighted by Paul. In verse number 20, he mentions, hey, you will, if you reject the gospel, you will miss out on the profit of knowing the word of God. In verse 24, you'll miss out on the joy that comes and the purpose and the mission that comes from knowing God. Not only that, but in verse 26, a clean conscience. Man, it's, it's one thing to know, man, I've really messed up. I've done wrong. And there can be a very heavy conscience that would say, I I know that I've messed up. But having the knowledge that Christ has washed away our sins and that we can have a clean conscience before God is an incredible thing. And in verse number 32, uh, there's the benefit of establishment in the word of God and a heavenly inheritance that is waiting for us with all those that have accepted Christ. And all of these things are things that we will miss out on if we don't receive the gospel. And so there can be a cost or a shame that would come maybe from accepting the gospel and choosing to be named with Jesus. But there is also a much greater cost if we reject the gospel. So let's testify to others. Man, there might be some hard times. You might not always be popular with others or people might not always approve of the things that you do because you're a Christian. But there is a much greater cost in rejecting the lavish love and gifting that God has given to us. Not only do I see that we should testify about the gospel's content and cost, but testify about the commitment to the gospel. And we can see here when Paul says about testifying, about repentance and faith, that testifying about the gospel is not so much about a moment where we're testifying, but a lifestyle. Let me show you what I mean by this. A commitment to the gospel will show up in our testifying in different ways. So there's all of these different ways in these uh, seven verses or so that Paul says, hey, I told you about the gospel in these ways. I, I showed you uh, the word there, an angelo, 
where we would get maybe the word angel or messenger from. He says, hey, I announced it to you. I taught it to you. I testified. I preached. I declared. And all of these things, he says, hey, whether it was I was maybe preaching in a church service, whether it was I was teaching you maybe one-on-one or in a house, if I was coming into the city for the first time and announcing the message of the gospel, it wasn't just him being in the pulpit doing it. Uh, It wasn't just him uh, maybe in small groups or in houses doing it. Paul says, hey, wherever I was, I was telling people about the gospel. And it's this commitment that it's not just going to be when I'm preaching. It's not just going to be when I'm at work, but when I'm at home, I'm going to live and tell the gospel. When I'm with my friends, I'm going to live and tell the gospel. If I'm at church, I am going to live and tell the gospel. But it's a commitment that occurs. We can see this as well where he talks about both the gospel and the Bible kind of at large, where he talks about it in verse 21 as, hey, I testified about repentance and faith. In verse number 24, I have been called to testify about the gospel of the grace of God. I have declared the kingdom of God, and I've declared to you the whole counsel of God. I hope you can see from these verses that it wasn't just a one-time thing for Paul. It wasn't just a a once-in-a-while thing for Paul. It was wherever he was. So not only do we see that we should testify about the gospel, but we should also testify with sincerity. And in verse number 26, he says, Wherefore, I take you to record. It's that same word there. Testify this day that I am pure from the blood of all. Paul says, hey, in all sincerity, my conscience is clean because I have testified of the gospel. And we see that Paul did it humbly. In verse 19, it says uh, that he was serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Uh, do you know that you can testify about the gospel or about church or about God in a wrong way? You can do it in a prideful way. How do you know that? Well, Paul has to clarify here, hey, I was serving the Lord with all humility of mind. We need to realize when we're telling others about the gospel, when we're telling others about our faith, who we are not. We are not the grand righteous folk. Jim is not the bastion of holiness and righteousness that everyone else needs to be like Jim. We need to realize, hey, I'm just a sinner. And uh, I love the song the kids sang a couple, uh, ooh, actually probably about two months ago now, uh, where it says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. And I'm, I'm sorry, Guidals, apparently their kids have been singing the song for two months. So I apologize. It's a great song. But we can testify about the gospel in a way that tries to make us look like the hero of, I'm this great person, why can't you be more like me? And we need to do it in humility of mind, realizing that if Christ himself humbled himself so much that he would leave the glory of heaven and the adoration of angels 
and come down and, and be born and be placed in a manger. Be judged of mankind for 33 years. Can you think about that? God himself was subjected to the scorn, the ridicule, the insults, the scrutiny of mankind for 33 years. And at any point, he could have been like, hey, Pharisees, you're trying to judge me? I am literally God, and wiped them out. But he didn't because of his great love and his humility. So let's be humble when we share the gospel, realizing, hey, the answer isn't me or what I do. The answer is Christ and the gospel. But we should also testify wholeheartedly. And uh, you can see this from all the different times that Paul uses the word all or everything uh, in this passage. In verse 18, he says, I've been with you at all seasons. In verse number 19, with all humility of mind. In verse number 20, I kept back nothing. I gave it all. Verse number 27, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We should wholeheartedly witness to other people. If it's something where a person knows, man, Danny's witnessing to me right now, but I don't think he wants to be witnessing to me right now. It looks like he's got something else he wants to do at this moment. Man, that would tell the person either the message that they're giving me isn't that important or I'm not that important to the person. But man, just like Paul, let's give it all we have when we witness to others, that we wouldn't be divided in our attention or divided in our time, but wholly give ourselves to other people, humbly, wholeheartedly. But I see also from the passage, recklessly. In verse number 24, Paul says, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. He says, hey, all of, the, all of the tribulations, all of the attacks of the Jews, all of the plots that are waiting for me, uh, during this section of time, he's coming back from his third missionary journey. He's uh, taken up an offering of a lot of the Gentile churches to help out the saints at Jerusalem who had undergone heavy persecution and were deeply struggling financially. And so he's taking this large sum of money from all of these churches and he's bringing it back to Jerusalem. Uh, you can see at the beginning of the chapter uh, that some Jews were plotting to kill Paul. And so he had to switch up his route. Uh, everywhere he was going, we can see in verse number uh, where's that? Verse number 22, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Uh, verse number 23, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide for me or wait for me. He says, hey, all of these things are against me. All of these people are against me. The, my people, the people that I used to be a religious and spiritual leader in, all of this is coming against me. It says, but none of these things move me. None of these things are going to knock me off my course from letting other people know about the hope of Jesus. And he says, neither count I my life dear unto myself. The phrase means, I don't even count who I am as important or precious or valuable 
accept as much as I might finish my course with joy. He says, hey, who I am, my personality, my thoughts, my goals, my ambitions, I don't care about my goals and my ambitions. All I care about is that others would know about God. Man, what what conviction that brings to me. Where so often in our lives, we can be so focused on, man, what, what are my plans? What are my thoughts? And Paul, he lived this out. He, he was a Pharisee. Uh, he talks uh, later in the passage about the fact that he worked day and night as a tent maker over the course of three years while he was at Ephesus on a previous missionary journey. He says, hey, I worked day and night for three years. He was a hard worker. He was a person who had gotten very far in kind of the religious world of Judaism of the time. But he gave all of that up because he had encountered Jesus and he didn't want anyone to go without that experience and without that knowledge of knowing God and his forgiveness and his righteousness personally. Man, that's convicting of do we recklessly, completely, regardless of the circumstances, do we recklessly testify about the gospel? We talked about it a little bit earlier. Consistently testify. Again, he says, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, Asia Minor here, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And uh, just as we mentioned earlier, it should be something that we don't only share the gospel with certain groups of people or at certain times, but wherever we are, that uh, we would really be an open book and open at all times to any circumstances God would bring our way. Uh, I believe it might have been Pastor, oh, he was just here a couple Sunday nights ago. Uh, I do not remember the name. We had dinner with him at El Reconcito. It's very nice. Uh, But he mentioned divine appointments uh, that God brings into our life uh, where, man, it's just the paths crossed at the perfect time where we're able to tell someone about God's love for them and how Jesus died for them. Not only humbly, wholeheartedly, recklessly, consistently, but soberly. And Paul says this in in verses 26 and 27. He says, Wherefore, I take you to record this day, I, I testify to you this day, that I am pure from the blood of all. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Man, this harkens back to uh, even the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, where God tells the prophets, hey, you have been given this message that is supposed to go to the nation of Israel. At that time, a message of warning, of condemnation that was going to come if they didn't turn away from their sinful path that they were on. He says, if you warn them and they disregard you, their blood, the, the guilt of it is on their hands. But God said to the prophets there in the Old Testament, hey, if you don't tell other people, if you don't tell the nation of Israel about the condemnation and and the judgment that's coming, their blood is on your hands. And Paul here referencing that Old Testament thing goes to the fact of, hey, 
I know as I'm talking to here some of the elders from the church at Ephesus, he says, hey, when I'm talking to you guys, I know when I was in Ephesus, everyone I could, I told them about the gospel. He says, I am pure from the blood of all, for because I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I didn't leave anything out. I gave it all completely. Man, when we witness, we should realize that it is a serious, it is a sober thing. These are people's real lives. It is their souls. It is their eternity. It is their future that's at stake. And man, we should take that seriously. It should be an important thing that we would witness. We saw first that we should testify to everyone, publicly, perseveringly, personally, persistently. We should testify about the gospel, about its content, its cost, and its commitment. That we should testify with sincerity, humbly, wholeheartedly, recklessly, consistently, and soberly. That leads us to a couple questions that I want us to think about tonight. Who has God placed in your life so that you can share the gospel with them? The job you have, the neighborhood you live in, the family you have, the friends that you have right now are not an accident. It is not unknown to God and it is not undesigned by God. Who is in your life or who has God placed in your life so that you can share the gospel with them? Do you know the gospel enough that you could tell someone else? This is something that uh, I've often thought about as I read through some of the uh, uh, epistles to the churches in the New Testament as well as, well as the pastoral epistles. Uh, it is almost a given. It is almost an assumption that they are telling others about the gospel. Obviously, it's the very last command of Christ before he left the earth that we would preach the gospel to everyone, that we would go and teach all nations. That was his last command. But many of us today are, are sometimes a little fuzzy on, okay, well, what would I tell people? And as often has uh, been the answer, well, tell them about your story that you don't have to be the world's greatest apologist or defender of the Christian faith, but you know what happened to you. Leo, you know what it was like when you got saved. Mike, you'd know what it was when you were saved. And you might say, I don't have all the answers. You know, that's what we have Pastor and Hannah for, because you guys know everything, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I haven't tested it yet, but I think. Uh, We don't have to have all the answers, but we do have the responsibility, the privilege to let people know our story. God saved you and wants you to tell other people. God didn't save Miss Anita and go, man, she got saved, but I could have really used someone that, uh, that knew all of these different apologetic facts. But yeah, I guess Anita will do. No, he saved you because he knew that your story, he knew that your experiences, the the battles and things that you've gone through would speak to certain people about God's goodness and about the gospel in a way that no one else really could. God wants to use you, your story, 
and your background to let others know about his goodness and his love for them. God wants to use you. Are you committed to being a Christian who tells others the gospel? When it comes down to it, this is the basic essence of why we are still on earth after all this time. Otherwise, as soon as we accept Christ, we could just go straight up to heaven. There's nothing really for us here on this earth that heaven isn't so much better than. But we are here to let others know about Jesus. Let's not waste our time here on earth, you know, just fulfilling maybe the American dream of, okay, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get a giant house. I'm going to get a giant well, I don't know if giant cars are in. I'm going to get a small car that's really fast. I'm going to get a big boat, and I'm going to retire at 45 or 40 or whenever I can, and I'm just going to live out the rest of my days in ease. <laughs> that might be the American dream, but the Christian dream should be, hey, I'm going to heaven. How many people am I going to bring with me? How many people one day would be in heaven and would say, hey, I know that Samantha told me about the gospel. She was just 19 years old, but she told me about the gospel in a bus class, and I accepted Christ. Someone that would say, man, my neighbor told me about Jesus, and I was 45 years old. God is not done with you. God's not done using your story to tell the gospel. If you're still here, God's still got a plan for you. Are you committed to being a Christian who tells others the gospel? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.